On episode 249 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn why pushers win, hitters win, and tweeners lose with special guest, Coach Peter Freeman. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. If you feel like you watch too many poachable balls whiz by you and you're like, ugh, I should have poached on that one, then you should check out the doubles playbook because inside there are 48 plays from Martina Navratilova and the Bryan brothers that show you how to set up easy put-away volleys and overheads. If you look at other sports, teams run plays. Football teams run plays to score touchdowns, soccer teams run plays to score goals, and basketball teams run plays to score baskets. When it comes to your doubles game, you can run plays to set up easy put-away volleys and overheads. If you go to tennisfalls.com slash doubles playbook, Martina Navratilova will personally show you one of her all-time favorite plays called the Prognosticator so you can see if the doubles playbook is right for you. I've used many of the plays from the doubles playbook in my doubles matches and think you should definitely take a look at it if you want to improve your doubles game. Just go to tennisfalls.com slash doubles playbook to check it out. That's T-E-N-N-I-S-F-I-L-E-S dot com slash doubles playbook to check it out right now. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. It's really great to have you on listening to the show. And today I have a really fun one and a unique topic that we haven't done before on the show. And this is actually a product of a recent live stream that I did with Peter Freeman from Crunch Time Coaching for Tennis Summit 2022. And I thought it was such a great discussion that I put it on the podcast. And this one has to do with, as I mentioned in the first few seconds of the intro, of why, in Peter's esteemed opinion, and which I agree with, why p- uh, pushers win, hitters win, but tweeners lose. So obviously, as we'll, you know, we'll define some of these terms, or all of the terms, but uh, of course, as you know, pushers, as many of you know, are the ones, the, the players that tend to get every single ball back with no pace, etc., um, but you know, these players tend to win a lot of matches, and so do, quote-unquote, hitters. While those who sort of play in between, if you will, are actually the ones that lose the most. So I think that you'll definitely enjoy this episode. And uh, it's always a really fun time when we have Peter Freeman on the podcast or on the summit. Um, But yeah, the summit went super well. We had uh, over 10,000 people attend. And it was definitely a very, uh, I guess, wild for me anyway, week in terms of just how busy it was. But it's always really fulfilling and it was awesome to get such great feedback from everybody and I'm continuing to get it. So that's always super cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, without further ado, I want to bring this this awesome, fun interview slash live stream with you where Peter talks about this topic with me and we also answer questions too from the audience. So without further ado, here it is. So everybody, let's get started. So again, we're talking about pushers win. Um, you know, there's other names for that. Obviously, we respect, um, you know, those types of players. Uh, hitters win, 
and tweeners lose. So Pete, can you please let us know, you know, what this means? Some people might not be familiar with, you know, some of these terms and, and just the overall gist of what you want to talk about today. Yes. So I came up with this the other day when I had a student, he came from North Carolina and I set him up with a, cause he cause this guy legitimately has a 5-0 kick serve. I'm not kidding. Like this serve is unbelievable. He's really good at serving volleying. He has uh, a nice ripping tossman forehand. And when he rips his forehand and he gets it in, it is every bit of a 5-0 forehand. But he said, Pete, I want to come down to Atlanta and I want you to watch me play because I know I have all these skills but I lose to 3-5 and 4-0 players, you know, and everybody always tells me I should do better because, you know, I have these skills that, that I feel I should be, you know, winning more matches. So he says, I particularly lose against counter punchers, which a lot of people call pushers. Mm -hmm. So I found the ultimate best counter puncher, most legendary counter puncher to put him against. If you guys watch YouTube videos, there's a guy called the most exhausting player, M-E-P. Ian from Essential Tennis even brought him up to Wisconsin to play him. So I know Ben, and I said, Ben, would you play my player? Uh, he, he needs practice against a guy just like you. And so I watched them play, and M-E-P was destroyed him. <laughs> and this guy hit so many great shots. He didn't play bad at all. He didn't play bad at all. And there's lots of MEPs, most exhausting players, all over the globe, I realized. You know, lots of times they get trashed. But when they're really good at this skill, they win a lot of matches. So pushers win. They get, they don't get the credit that they deserve, but they get a lot of W's that they deserve. Okay, then if you go on YouTube and you watch MEP play this 12-year-old Simon, he's 40 in the nation in 12 and unders. And Simon is a hitter because Simon actually go, now goes to uh, Windy Hill High Performance Tennis. He, mm -hmm. that's, I saw Simon today playing on the court, so I see him close up. He this is his craft. This is what he does since he's been like five, six years old. Eats, sleeps, dreams, tennis. He's even watched all of – imagine a 12-year-old. He's watched all of MEP's videos. He, he, you know, this is his life. This is his passion. So wow. he – and he's out there every single day for like three, four hours a day. So he's becoming a little machine. So he's a hitter. Hitters win. But where a lot of recreational players, especially who feel stuck, who feel frustrated, who are – going against players that they go, man, I got nicer strokes than this player for sure, but why can't I beat them? There's a good chance you're a tweener. And so what's a tweener? A tweener is somebody who has maybe too much pride, maybe foolish pride, to resort to pushing. They don't have the repetitions. It could be many things. It could be the repetition. It could be the technique. Or it could be the belief. It's one of those three that you don't have to be able to hit. So you're stuck in tweener land to where you're not quite pushing, 
but you're not quite hitting either. It's like you're trying to hit the ball, but then you're like trying to hold on to the shot at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you will lose. You will lose. You can't, you can't win like that. And so tonight, this is like a public service announcement that I want to talk about and help you guys navigate and give you guys some options and also give you some opinions. Like, here's another perfect example. Tonight, I'm watching a match at, at uh, Windy Hill. And there's this guy who's very highly ranked nationally um, in 14 and unders. He's really good. And he hits the ball. He looks a lot like Roger Federer. I mean, a lot. His stroke is modeled after Federer. And he's playing this other guy who doesn't look near as good as him. You know, you guys, if you watched him, you wouldn't call him a pusher. You'd say the other guy, you'd still say still looks good. But, but the, the guy I'm talking about who's nationally ranked clearly looks better. His strokes are more polished. And he comes out. And he's hitting. And he's dominating. He gets up 5-1 hitting. But the other guy who you who who actually uh the coach at Wendy Hill tonight, the guy main guy running the program, you know, accused him of pushing. Right? He's like, you didn't play the way you should. You pushed because he came back and won seven six. But the but the coach still didn't want to give him credit because he's like, you pushed your way back. But mm-hmm. to me, still, I'm going, you know what? But he won. And he didn't give up, and he fought. And what happened was the hitter lost a little bit of confidence, turned into a tweener. He went from a hitter to a tweener, and the pusher never gave up and mm-hmm. basically made the guy choke himself out and lose. Yeah. So I feel that most recreational players, they're not going to want to hear this, have got to figure out the correct blend of pushing and hitting and avoid tweenering as much as possible, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I think kind of a similar case as you, like I can remember some matches where, you know, uh, with that last student, like I was hitting out, you know, hitting big and all that, but then something caused me, you know, usually it's like thinking about the score and whatnot to to, to just, you know, kind of hit in the middle ground and and, you know, hit some push um or just yeah because either you choose you know like you're you, if you're a pusher uh you know quote unquote like you're just getting every ball back you're committed but like the the tweener is kind of like you know you're not really being aggressive enough you're like hanging some balls like in the middle and you start missing so um yeah i really like this uh this concept here uh let's see if i'm just looking if we have any questions Tennis Teuton, and sorry if I interrupted you, Pete, but what Ben's yeah. what Ben's pushers, counterpunchers can teach you is patience and shot selection, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I, tonight I want to talk about hitting and I want to talk about pushing. And another thing is, is a lot of people think that pushing is always like a bad shot because a lot of times – People who are pushers can look bad. But watching Mep up close, too, I can tell you his pushing technique is actually pretty effective. Like, this guy had a great serve. And Ben, you could see he could he could place the ball on a dime. He's got mastery over his pushes to where when you're there watching it close. That was the, I've watched him online, but watching him close, I mean, I see that his technique is honed in to where this guy who's hitting like a 5-0 serve He's got the timing. He's got the placement. He's able to, you know, 
the guy liked to serve by a lot. He liked to, he put one low at the guy's feet. He was able to pass him. He was able to hit little angles. Yeah. And so there's lots of good quality hits when you're pushing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's all sorts of technique within the pushing cycle. So um, if you could maybe uh, blow me up so I can kind of show people. Sure. You know, some, some, this, Go some for strokes. It. So I'm just going to have to really work well in this small space. So you guys, lots of guys and ladies out there, when you think of pushing, you think of like ugly strokes, pusher, right? But a push can also, there's lots of players who wouldn't even get like made fun of as a push who have amazing technique, especially if they play doubles. You know, a push is anything where you're pushing at the ball and you're not, ex- you know, there's some acceleration, but, but your body is more pushing the ball. So, you know, this is a push, right? Obviously. And this is what a lot of people think about a pusher, but this awesome technique is also a push. I'm pushing this ball. I'm not hitting this ball. And so I think everybody here, and you're not going to, maybe some of you are not going to want to hear this. Everybody here, see, everybody here likes to spend a lot of time working on their hitting technique, but you're not going to be able to hit your way through every single match. You're going to have to have a degree of a pushing shot and a hitting shot. And so everybody here should be working really hard on your your slice technique. That's a push. And when you're pushing, what can you do to control a match when you're pushing? You can you can hit nice deep balls that stay low. That's a push shot. You can hit little angle shots that bite and stay low. You can hit great approach shots. You can hit lobs. You can hit drop shots. These are all the, the skills that you can use pushing the ball, okay? And you can actually look pretty darn stylish pushing the ball. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but um, that's that's pushing, you know. Um, Maribon, any, any, any questions or anything? Yeah, sorry, I was having a chocolate bar. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, playing, um, you know, the pusher style, where they have nailed down these like low slices and chip shots can be extremely difficult and very taxing more taxing than having these shots for like normal shots that are waist high or you know even higher at the shoulder especially for somebody like me with you know like a in between like a semi-western and western grip so if if the players uh if these pushers are able to get the ball really low that's that's tough and if they're able to keep replicating this and making you you know bend with your knees like over and over again i mean that's a great great strategy again so um they're hitting some of the most effective shots that are in the like most least liked strike zone so uh yeah i mean it's it's a great strategy to be honest but you know it's interesting because we have um uh let's see here uh bilal who uh nice to see you again it all comes down to what you want as a player personally i'd rather play another sport than have an Mep type of game to me, it's like the shooting a uh, uh, shooting a basketball underhanded, but making it. What do you think about that? I, I'm going to have to take him to task. So everybody here has got to develop pushing skills, okay? And I think that we are 
confusing the word, because I've heard this a lot. We're confusing the stereotypical pusher with what a pushing stroke is. When Roger Federer hits a slice backhand, he is pushing. He just looks a hell of a lot better than MEP when he does it. And he is a hell of a lot better at his pushing shot. Okay? And you need that because it's way – this guy lost to, to MEP quite handily because he only had one option, offense all the time. He had one gear. His serve was amazing. His volley was very good, way above average of a recreational player. But if MEP could get it to 30-all, if MEP could get it to 30-all – and get him to have a tough volley or get him to miss an overhead or sometimes he flubbed a high volley, then there was the break, okay? And this guy had no other – I didn't even – I don't want this guy – that, and I'll, and I'll tell you more about how I coach him. I don't want him to have a plan B like, oh, well, then just start pushing like MEP. But you've got to have more layers in your game. You only had one layer. So if your work, if if you are rejecting this idea of you don't want to have pushing skills, you are giving yourself less options out there in a match to win. Okay, you're becoming one-dimensional. This is what this guy was. This guy was great offensively. There's gonna, I'm gonna put the video out in a month and you'll see. Okay. This guy has an unbelievable looking serve, really good volleys. But he could only do that. He could chip and charge and win points. In rallies, he got very nervous and tweened. Even though he's got a forehand that he can rock, he especially was hitting tweener forehands. He had like no confidence in his forehand, and he was trying to hit it, but he didn't quite commit. So he hit a lot of balls that fell short in the net. He had a lot of balls that fly down on him. So he needs to work on his hitting skill on his forehand, which I'll explain how he did. And he also needs to, and which became very successful, work on his pushing skills with his forehand as well. And everybody here, unless you are, first of all, even the junior that I'm talking about that beat MEP, who I said is a hitter, he's got amazing pushing skills. He has an awesome slice forehand and backhand. He's got awesome volleys. That's a pushing motion. You know, if he gets stretched outside the court, he can push the ball in. So even hitters, when you watch juniors who are great hitters, by and large, most of them and your better juniors have also great pushing skills. There's often these guys all at our junior academy here at Windy Hill, they all hit massive tossman forehands and backhands. But I will say at least once a week, we'll be in the short court and then we even go back to the baseline where the coach will say, you can only chip the ball. These great players, you can only chip the ball for the next 15, 20 minutes. Or you have to hit one chip, one top spin. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really important. I Again, you know, I mentioned this in the previous live stream, but there was a clip that I think, again, I'm, I'm trying to remember if it was Jorge or who it was, but Basically, Shelby Rogers, she had defeated, like, I don't know if it was Sweetek or somebody, like, really high-ranked uh, high player. And they were interviewing her, and she basically said that, you know, I didn't want to I, – I don't like playing this way, but I had to resort to hitting, like, high, loopy, topspin balls. Which, you know, I mean, it yeah, it's different from the pushing, I guess, in a way, but it still is kind of pushing. So 
the point is like if you want to be able to win matches the more tools that you have in your toolbox the better and you know we had a checklist in in uh one of the sessions i think that was with jorge where he he listed like all these different skills that you have and the skills that your opponent have and you know maybe your opponent might have like seven skills and you only have three but if you can employ one of those skills that you have that they don't have uh and that's going to hurt them then you could win the match so uh you know sometimes you just really have to dig deep and play a style that you may not you know like to play or you think is ugly or whatever if you want to win so and you know I, I know that everybody tuning in here is pretty much competitive. They want to improve. They want to win. So uh, it's just a matter of really uh, trying to find the tactics that uh, will hurt your opponent the most and employing them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. So it's really important to to just, you know, shove aside, like, you know, preferences for, like, just playing, like, beautifully and things like that. Let's see what, it, what else we got here. So, Sherry. We got some... Yeah, oh. we got some good questions. Yeah. We do. We have some real oh. good. I just wanted to highlight this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's right. And, and so is Maribon. Um, It was kind of funny. It was like back-to-back days. Uh, he, so Ian's doing something pretty courageous. He's made a book called Essential Tennis. He came to Georgia and filmed with uh, the tr- Tennis Troll Channel, which which MEP actually played his co-author, Joel. So MEP is going to be on that. And then he came and did, uh, we did like six or seven videos with him, me and my friend Matt Bradshaw from Coffee Break Tennis. And then he came up to you, right, Maribon? Yeah, he came up and we uh, we shot like three videos and then another video about the book. So uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun. Can't wait to release those. Can uh, you go to her other question though? Because I think this is a great question. Uh, which one? The one next to it? Sh- sh- no, Sherry went. Um, oh, oh, how, oh. It, how would you put the percentage in a match of finesse versus hitting i'll assume okay wait say yeah okay this is a great question see this is the thing that is individual based and you have to figure it out because my guy who came down and lost to mep he needs to add well not even add that's the thing that's crazy this guy has like all the skills in tennis he needs to implement more, more pushing shots into his game. But I'm never going to train him to become an MA, MEP, right? I'm not, I'm not going to – I don't want him to push as much as MEP is going to push in a match, right? Because he's got a massive serve. He's got great serve and volley. All, overall, I want him to be an attacker. I want him serve and volley. I want him coming to the net off second serves – sometimes, you know, a good healthy dose, but not every time. Because then again, you become one-dimensional. And this, and this guy is 6'4", six, 6'5", six, so I'm not going to teach him how to be a golden retriever and be staying back at the baseline. So the percentage is something that you have to figure out, okay? What are you capable of? What is going to work in a match? And I'm going to get to a specific drill that I told him he needs to do, and I want everybody here to do it. I want everybody here to do it because then you will start to understand and identify how much you realist, not what you want to do. It's not about what you want to do, guys. Winning matches is about what you can do and what you can do under pressure, okay? You want to hit the ball, but can you hit the ball? Or do you 
resort to tweening. And you have to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other questions? Because I saw some really good stuff. Yeah, I just want to cover just so I get everyone. Like, so Becky had a question about a good exercise program for her daughters, like nine to ten. I would check out the tennis fitness sessions and also, you know, take into account your daughter's age and and things like that. Um, I would also go, you know, uh, if you want, try to contact um, uh, Dr. Mark Kovacs. He's just really good with that sort of stuff. So maybe he can help you out somehow. Uh, but we're going to try to focus this session on um, strategy and, and, uh, and whatnot. So uh, let's see. Uh, Bilal, if you want to be that, then fine. But if everything is even, then I'd rather get my technique down rather than just win technique. Tennis is therapeutic for me rather than just win no matter what. Huh? Okay. And if you'd rather. Well, that... I want to say a couple of things. I yeah. want to say a couple of things. First of all, Kay, uh, she says, watching the live streams, hitters, Richard, she says, I need that volley course. Um, I signed up for lifetime access some of before your bonuses were offered. So I'm wondering if you're going to add that to, to my library. And the answer is absolutely yes. We're trying to add every single person who signed up on my buyer's list. So, Kay, if you signed up on my buyer's list, we're trying to add it. And since you sent me this email, I'm going to just give you the benefit of the doubt. And I, I know you very well, and I'm going to set you up. So that's how it's done. You know, if, if you don't have your bonus in your library, uh, that's how you get it. You, you email me. Now, as far as with all things being equal, now here we go. What was interesting, because he says, I'd rather just work on my technique. Okay. Pushing is an art form. It's a technique. And the guy, the thing that you guys are not getting is pushing is not necessarily hitting the ball slow. Okay. It's not having the pressure of having the swing and hit. Now I'm in my living room, so I can't take a big swing and hit. Plus my buddy B2 is right there. <laughs> but imagine I'm trying to swing like Roger Federer. Okay. That's going to go fast. But pushing is always, for the most, for most people, is going to be easier under pressure if you have good technique pushing. If you have, so if you have a good-looking slice forehand. Now, here's the thing. You can act, actually crack, and I'm not kidding. You can crack a slice forehand. You can crack a backhand slice. I, I watched this. Uh, I used to work for Tony Palifax, who coached John McEnroe. Um, as a junior and as a pro. And one of the hardest balls I've ever seen for my life is this guy in his mid-60s at the time, hitting with a junior who was a very highly ranked junior in New York, who was probably about 16, 18 years old. And this guy's hitting massive topspin. And Tony Palifax is absolutely rocking a backhand slice. I mean, the thing was moving like a laser landing an inch from the baseline, skidding violently at him, and he was hitting the crap out of the ball, but he was pushing, okay? He's not a pusher, but it's a pushing motion. It's not a swinging, hitting motion, and that's what I'm trying to get you guys to understand is if you want to play your best tennis, especially with the amount of time that you guys have, you've got to dedicate a good amount of time in your practice sessions to developing good pushing technique. And it doesn't mean that it's soft, that you're hitting the ball soft, okay? Just like hitting doesn't mean that you're hitting the ball hard, okay? That's another thing I want you to understand. 
So like if I'm warming up with somebody and I'm relaxed and I'm hitting the ball at about 40% power, but it's a hitting technique. If I'm doing this, I'm hitting, okay? If I'm rallying with somebody, I'm doing this, I'm hitting, okay? And I can make this work in a match. Hitting isn't going for winners. It's just the mo motion of hitting and no um, holding back, no inhibition. So a hit can be this and a hit can be this, okay? A hit can be a conservative rally ball. A hit can be a challenge ball where you're trying to be on offense and see if they can handle your pace. And a hit can be going for an all-out winner, okay? But this is still this nice little soft hit I'm doing. I'm hitting the ball. I'm not pushing, okay? And I'm not tweening either, more importantly. A tweener is when you're trying to hit and then you get like a little yip somewhere along the way as you're hitting. And then you try and follow through after that. That is where you lose. If you're out there in a match and you say, I don't care if I lose, I'm going to hit. But then somewhere along the way, you lost faith in your hitting ability, which you, no one here on this call is above that. And I'm including myself and Maribon. No one on this call is above that happening to you in a match. And if you just continue to say, damn it, I'm just going to hit my way out of it. You're not. You're just going to get more and more nervous and more and more frustrated, and you're going to lose faster. So you've got to have these honest conversations with yourself and build more skills and learn when you, what situations you can hit under, what balls you can hit. And again, hitting doesn't mean hitting hard. Hitting just means hitting free, and it's a swinging motion versus a pushing motion. So as a tennis player, you need to have a swinging motion and a pushing motion. And when you are going in between those two motions, you are going to lose almost all your matches unless you're playing somebody else who's going through the same exact problem as you. And it's just a matter of who doesn't you know, do worse on, you know, on that situation. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Thanks, Peter. We have a lot of questions. Tennis to Tom, uh, Sherry, my main practice partner is a counter puncher and he has really made me work on my game so far. Slice is indeed a good option. Agreed. King Arthur, USA, even though that sounds British. Uh, Vic Braden says heavy topspin down the middle, high bouncing balls. Good strategy. Good strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did some of that in, um, when I was doing my videos with Ian and that, that worked out really well. Uh, Sherry, how would you, Oh, I think we did that already. Um, yeah, yeah, we did that. Uh, let's see. King Arthur underspin has to be played right. Not percentage heavy top spin. It does have to be played, right? I'm not sure about the not percentage. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, but yeah. the heavy top spin again, everybody here would love to hit heavy top spin, but I I'm telling you that everybody here eventually in a matches, not every match, but at some point in a match, you're going to lose that feel. Most of us are going to lose that feel on how to hit that heavy tossman that requires you to swing out. And I'm going to talk about how this one guy completely lost the feel to do that, even though he's fully capable of. And we'll get to that in a second. My poor buddy B2 is here growling. I don't know if you can hear him. He's having a tough time. You want to hear him, him Nah, I can nah. barely oh, hear. Show? Yeah, show. Okay. 
Okay, so my buddy B2 mm. got a hot spot. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's a little bit of a – he was supposed to get groomed tomorrow because he needs desperate – he's in desperate need of grooming. But now that he's got a hot spot, of course, it won't take him. And the next grooming session isn't till I can't get him until next – until June. Oh, come on. Yeah, so he's having a really tough time, my buddy. A really, buddy. really rough time. Sorry. Can't a really resist. rough time. Get it? Anyway. Um, I got it. I know. It's, it's terrible. I apologize. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Under Yes, got that one. Put. Punchers are, or sorry, pushers are great. They are ball machines. Play them and improve. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they'll improve your game better than a ball machine. Yep, Mark. No, that's for sure. Yeah, you could also say we all need a soft game with the hard game. Pickleball has helped my tennis soft game control, touch, volley, slice, uh, etc. Immensely. Yeah, I played pickleball maybe yeah. twice, and uh, while I much prefer tennis, I think it's a uh, you know a fun game, and yeah, for sure, like the a lot of the touch shots that you need to play, especially when you're in that kitchen area, like behind it, you gotta really dink them, um, and those are very helpful shots that definitely correlates with um you know the the pushing type of game. Uh, should we take a couple more before we move on, Peter? What do you think? Yeah, I, I like the next one. The next one's good too. Radio HJ Joy. Are there certain balls you should push back, like when they are at shoulder height out of the strike zone? Deep lobs. Yes. So I'm going to give you a couple of situations when you should go to a pushing technique. And I, there's probably more, you know, so I'm not nailing probably every one of them, but just, just here's some, some ones for sure. Yes, definitely, especially when you have a one-handed backhand, you know, high backhands. So if you have a one-hander, this is a great time to go to a pushing motion. When the ball is out of your reach a little bit, you know, and you're stretching and, and you're going to lose control by hitting, then you got to, you know, go to a pushing motion. When you're on the run, and you're barely getting to the ball. And the, and the pros do this all the time. You know, you see a drop shot. You ever see that where they hit a great drop shot and the other person runs up and they don't swing at it because they know if they, they swing at it, they're going to – they're moving too fast where they're not going to be able to control the ball. So they get up there. They slide, especially on the clay. We're getting ready to watch a lot of great clay court tennis yeah. in the next couple of months. And they hit that little angle ball. That's a pushing technique, okay? Also – when another great time to push is when to absorb pace, you know, you can, you can, you can kind of swing and absorb pace. Like it's coming fast. And this the way you kind of like use your legs and your hands, the feel in your hands. And, and you also most likely don't swing through the ball fast, but you kind of, you know, you're still swinging, but you kind of absorb that pace and pick it up. That's the way to absorb pace. Another way to absorb pace though, is to have that ball come and you block it back. Someone's got a big fast serve. Stan Wawrinka actually uh, does this a lot on the forehand. Uh, you know, I noticed, especially on clay, big serve comes, he'll chip the ball back. So he's basically trying to take all that sting out of the ball and get it back in play. Lobs are a great time to go to a pushing motion. These are all the times. But here's the most important one. This is where you have to have an honest conversation. And, and this is kind of like, it's a skill you got to develop and you got to be really honest with yourself. There are certain moments in a match, okay? And I'm not, I haven't mastered tennis. I'm just telling you what's worked for me a, a lot. And, and I think all good players would kind of say this. Is there's certain times in a match to where like a second serve is coming. And I still want to be offensive. And I know that the serve is just like, it's not a very good serve. I know it's totally attackable. 
but maybe the score line is a certain way. Or maybe sometimes, like even the Dow says, I, I'm not playing with the right feelings. I'm struggling to find the feeling of the ball, right? I will push the return. I will slice it. I will chip and charge. Or maybe I'll chip it low and bring them in and then hit a passing shot. Then there's other moments in the match to where I, the adrenaline's going, the confidence is there, the score can still be close. It can still be a big pressure point. But there's something inside me that goes, you know what? Let it rip. You're, you, you've got this. And then I know it's time to go. The worst is when you're playing a match, you keep getting these lollipop serves, you keep flubbing them, you, maybe, you, maybe you tween them. See, when you tween them, you're not pushing. And I think a lot of you think that you are resorting to pushing when you're hitting your tweener shot. I think you get it confused. So you're trying to hit, but then you've got this push in there, and then you start yelling at yourself like, I'm, I'm pushing. No, you're not. You're tweening. And then you tell yourself the next time, like, I'm going to rip it. I'm no more pushing. And then psh, you miss it again because the confidence isn't there. And that's what I don't want you to fall into. If it's not there, don't keep yelling at yourself to stop pushing because you're not pushing. You're tweening. And you might need to uh, push a couple balls to build your confidence up, get your feel back, win a couple points, get, get the scoreboard going back in your favor so that you can swing out with confidence again. Mm, and that's the most important time to learn how, when to push and when to hit. Love that, man. Love that. That's good stuff. We have a lot of questions here. Um, I lose too many matches, Dave. When I when watchers say I was a better player, I get it, but this is really a hard thing for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it, it definitely happens where again, you know, like you may look like you have the better strokes, better looking strokes, but um, in the end, you know, it's your opponent that is more consistent and you know, you know, sh brings out the more difficult shots uh, that you can't, you know, quite hit. Um, so yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we have, let's do, do we have a more, couple more questions? Then I'm going to get to the, to the drill that I want everybody mm -hmm. to do. If you really want to play the way you want to play, I'm going to give you a drill. And then if you, you know, definitely go do this. Heck yeah. I can't wait. So just a couple. Yeah. Dave read, read in the book, mental tennis. Yep. Christopher, I'm getting lost in terminology. The goal is to become a complete player, master all the strokes, spin and speeds, play offense and defense, learn to construct a point, et cetera, know how to play a point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. And Christopher's a good player. He sent me some videos. He's got a great serve. Oh, nice. Awesome. Love to hear that. I know y'all. I know you guys. Dave, thanks. Sherry, I think MEPs develop defense first and grow into offense. Definitely defense yeah. oriented. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Tennessee Town, I absolutely love to play aggressively, but sometimes it's good to have other tactical options. Exactly. Plus, you can surprise your opponents now and then. Good stuff. Um, Peter, wow, we do have a lot of comments. But I, Peter, I can let you uh, go for the drill. You want to do the drill now? Yes, I want to do the drill. This is, so he lost to MEP, my, my student. And I, I told him, like, because I was, I was, it was kind of weird. He lost like one and two. And I was impressed with his play. I'm not kidding. I'm like, like, man, this guy is really good offensive, way better than most recreational players, okay? Especially ones that are playing 3-5-4-0 tennis. I mean, some of the serves, I was like, that's huge. <laughs> I, I was on the court. I'm like, this thing's like, he had like monster kicks. 
he 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 had some high. You'll see it. You'll see it next month. You know, I'm not going to be lying. He would have high backhand volleys and come in and crush it cross court. And I thought, man, I don't know if I would have done that well on that high backhand volley. Like that was amazing. But I told him, you were putting way too much pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is playing offense every point. Mm. So it's just too tough to do this at this level. And so I'm like, we need to work on, uh, there was a couple things. We didn't even get to it. It's like, I wanted to work on him being able to chip and bring MEP in. But I especially knew that there was a big opportunity because every time this guy serves, he's going to either you know, be able to hit a nice volley or he's going to get a ball right back in the middle of the court to where he can clock a forehand. Yeah. Okay. So I brought him out to the court after the match and we started to work on his topspin forehand. And I was feeding him, you know, two or three balls at a time. And I was going, damn, this guy's forehand is really good. Lots of times when people come to me, I'm big on technique. And I love to teach people technique and I'll get out the iPad and I'll show them. We'll get the coach's eye out. I'll be drawing all their stuff. But when this guy was ripping the ball, I was like, that's, that's awesome. Like, I mean, impressive, <laughs> you know, like he was ripping some forehands where I'm like, I wouldn't have got that ball. Maribon, you're younger and faster than me. You wouldn't have got the ball. I mean, this dude could flat out rip five Oh five, five forehand individually for sure. Nice. But then he would go into these things to where even when we weren't keeping score, that he would go on a little bit of a confidence, you know. Why is that? Walkabout, huh? Why, why, why do you think? Because I think he um, struggles with feel and confidence. Mm. Even though it looks good, I don't think he feels the ball because mm. he'll set up one and he'll go over the net five or six feet. And it'll be ripping, and then the next ball will be like halfway up the net. Mm, and and so he's trouble feeling getting his because he's a big guy too. He has trouble feeling when his legs are low enough and when his hands low enough. And then I said, okay, but we got to a point where he's hitting the ball pretty good. And I'm like, okay, now so the first thing I'm doing is just feeding him underhand on his side. You can have the ball machine do this. So I so the drill is the first part of the drill is serve, land, split step. And hit two to three balls. And and you can first, because I know everybody wants to do it, first you could start practicing ripping the ball if you want, okay? And see how you're doing with that. Then when you feel the ball, when you're like, okay, I'm warmed up, and this is way harder than you think it is, you've got to serve, and you've got to hit, and legitimately hit if you want to be a hitter, you got to hit two forehands in a row to win the point. Mm. And you, and you want to hit, and if you, and if you feed the ball like on the, if you're a righty and you feed the ball to yourself on the do side, hit cross court, and if you have the ball feed to the um, add side, maybe you can even oscillate your ball machine so you can mm. do one and one, then hit inside out. Okay, and I want the ball to be. I don't want you to be trying to hit a winner, okay? Because you can't go through. We're trying to add dimensions to your game, so don't go out there, man. I was just ripping the crap. All the all my shots have been winners. I'm not asking you to hit winners. I'm asking you to hit heavy to both sides of the court with a good amount of topspin and confidence. Mm. And you got to do that. So it's serve. It's got to be in. Forehand's got to be in. Forehand's got to be in again. You're up 15, love. You don't do that. 
you're down 15 love, okay? And I did it with this guy who's got a beautiful forehand, and he could not win games. At first, the games were like deuce, add, deuce, add. And every time it was a big point, and lots of times what was funny is he would hit the first one in, and the second one, he would tween. He just like mm. lost all the feeling, and he just couldn't commit to the same feeling and stroke. So he hit him out. He'd spray him. Sometimes he lost complete field spin. It would go flying into the curtain. Sometimes he put too much spin on the ball and bottom into the net. Sometimes he'd jerk out, and he would miss it wide. But he could not put those two shots in a row together, and he would lose the games. It'd go deuce, add, deuce, add, lost. Then he lost such confidence that all of a sudden he was struggling to win points. That's how bad it got. And we went through two sets, and he basically lost like 6-1, 6-0 against himself doing this drill. Wow. And I said to him, because I could tell he was just beating himself up. He was seething. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you're not special because I guarantee you 90% of people that would come to see me would do exactly what you're doing especially when he's trying to hit as hard. And he's like, am I doing something here? Am I doing something there? Like he wanted to bail. He was hoping the answer would have been we could have videoed. And for some of you, it might be video, right? For some of you, your problem might be technical. I might say, yes, we need, you're not making the shot because your technique is not there. You can't hit the shot consistently. For him, I'm like, I don't need to bring the iPad out. This is all about feel and confidence. You don't need to be analyzed. Your strokes when it's just an individual stroke, is every bit as good to where you can do this. But mentally, you couldn't. So I'm like, okay, now third set. I'm going to give you another option. You can serve. You can hit an underhand ball. You can hit a tossman ball, your choice. And I don't care what order you do it in. I don't care if you rip it first and chip it second. I don't care if you chip it first and then rip it. Like, I don't care what order it is. And then I also don't mind if you decide to do two rips in a row or mm. two chips in a row. Your cho your choice. Mm. And the first game, of course, he wanted to do a lot of ripping. Okay, so it went do sad, do sad, do sad. And every time it got close, he decided to chip at least one ball. Mm. And he and he barely won the game, so he's up one zero. The next game, since he was all up one zero, like that's the first amount of success he had the entire match. He wanted to go back to ripping. Mm. but his, his, his feeling was not there. He completely was melted down mentally. So he lost the next game. So we were at one all. And then I said, you need to build confidence on the scoreboard. You, you, you know, you can't just, you know, have one successful game and then go, now I'll rip. Everything's fine. No, it's not fine. This is how you guys lose matches because you think that you are making this big sacrifice in your game that you are giving in, that you're not playing the way you're supposed to play. And the thing that I told him, which was 100% true, and I don't think MEP would be offended, especially if you see this guy's technique. I said, I said, your technique on the chip is better than MEP's technique. Your technique on the forehand chip is really, really good. And it was. I wasn't lying. This guy had a technique as a specialty. And, he, and when he was going to the push, he wasn't pushing. A lot of his balls were firing through. He would, he would serve. He'd set up. 
and he'd get here, and he's 6'4". Remember this, guys. He's 6'4", and he'd have this perfect technique, and he'd lean into the ball, and the ball would shoot fast and low and skid right into the, to the backstop. I'm like, that's a good forehand. And it is a good forehand. You guys just don't believe it's a good forehand because every time you watch TV, you don't see that as a forehand anymore. You see that as a push. But here's what I want you to, I want you to really understand this and how good a forehand chip shot can be and how effective it can be. John Newcomb in 1974, you guys might be going, oh, he's going 1974. <laughs> forehand. Come on, Pete. John Newcomb beat Jimmy Connors at the Australian Open in 1974 when Connors was number one in the world and in his early 20s and Newcomb was about to retire. And Newcomb has a push forehand. He doesn't have a swing forehand. He hits a hard forehand. Some of you that remember, Michael, what are you talking about? John Newcomb hits a hard forehand. Yes, he does. But he pushes his forehand. He's not a swinger. He doesn't swing the way Federer hits. But he hits, he hits Rockets forehands on occasion. He wins that match. Jimmy Connors, at age 38 or 39, played Agassi to five sets. Agassi, one of, you know, he, he's always going to be part of modern tennis. Connors ripped, I mean, Agassi rips his forehand. They went five sets at, at when Connors was age 38. So what am I telling you? Like, this guy Connors could go five sets with Agassi, who clearly hits his forehand when he's almost done and on the way out the door, but he lost to somebody who pushes his forehand when he was in his prime and number one in the world. So a push forehand could be high quality. And that's what mm -hmm. I was trying to get this guy Rye to buy into. Because I'm like, dude, your chip forehand is good. You're not sacrificing your game. You're, you're not going to be made fun of outside the fence. Like, yeah, he won, but he pushed. Your slice forehand is deadly. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. You're making it. So we ended up going about 80 to 90% chips and, and like 20 to t probably more 10, 15% rips the rest of the set. Mm. He won 6-1. He won 6-1. Boom. And I told him, you need to go home and do this drill over and over and over again. Keep winning the set 6-0 against yourself with a chip. So when you go and play a match, you can continue. B2 is literally choking himself on this wire here. Oh, careful. Okay. Uh, I <laughs> um, you can continue to use this in a match. Okay. I, I, so I want him to set the ball machine up. I want him chipping. I want him winning games with a chip. And then I want him to also keep gradually upping his percentage of rips until that starts to also work and he gets that feeling. And I told him what I think is one important thing is my hardest job as a coach, and this is 100% true, is to get my students to believe what I know. You might want to write this down. Most coaches, their hardest job is to get their students to believe what I know. What I know is that if he goes and he does this drill over and over and over again and keeps score with, with himself, he keeps taking score, that his 
forehand chip is going to continue to get better and work better under pressure. His forehand rip is going to continue to get better and work well under pressure. And he eventually will be able to execute this in a match for real under pressure. But he's got to believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. And he's got to believe it not to the point where he's like, I'm not asking him to go, yeah, you're right, coach. I believe you. Like, good point. Well, well taken. I'm not a- that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about believing to the point where like, damn, this guy's right. And I'm actually going to do this every day. Mm-hmm. Like he, after a while, he wanted to do another drill. He's like, can we do something else? I said, no. I said, because if we just hit the ball cross court, that's not going to help you. If we went and worked on your volley, that's not going to help you. This is the only way out. <laughs> this is the only way out. And lots of times for most of in life, that's, that's the only way out. You know, like if you, a, a, a personal fitness coach can tell you, hey, you're going to have to exercise and you're going to have to diet and you're going to have to be consistent. You're going to have to be disciplined. And the, the personal trainer knows when they tell you this, that if you go and you do it, it will work. But you have to believe the personal trainer enough to go, I'm going to do this. And you have to believe in yourself enough to where you're like, I'm actually going to commit. He is right. Not like doing it one day and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I did well on that trail or I did crappy on that trail. And you know, I, I'm focused on this now. No, I'm talking about if you want to figure out how much you should be pushing versus how much you should be hitting and how it's going to go under pressure. You do this drill religiously, and you will find out a lot about how much you should be pushing versus how much you should be hitting. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Awesome. Pete, just to recap for anybody who came late or maybe didn't, you know, yeah, basically came late. Can you just recap the, the exact drill again that, that you want us to do? So the drill is this. You serve and especially we're, we're going to work first on your forehand, okay? Because that, that you can turn into a weapon. And so I want you to serve, and you've got to make two forehands in a row. If it comes to your do side, I'm, I'm talking to righties. You know, if it's a lefty, just flip it. If it comes to the do side, I want you to hit it cross court. If it comes, if you feed it, you can either have someone hand feeding you, a coach feed, you can tell mm-hmm. the coach about the game, or, or you can um, have a ball machine, you know, oscillating. Most, yeah. most ball machines will oscillate, feed one here, one there. If it goes to the ad side, hit it inside out. Mm-hmm. And start out hitting because I know that's what you want to do, and that will be a good barometer of success. And start to keep score, you know. And really, to master it to where your stroke's not going to fall apart, you should be winning 6-0. You should be winning 6-0 and barely lose any points and not be scratching your head. I mean, you yeah. you will miss some. I, you're not going to play perfect, 
But this is in a controlled environment to where you should make and win most of these points. You should sure. you should win two to three to one ratio if you're doing it right. If you're like 50-50 and you're 30-40 and you're battling deuce ad against yourself, th- this is really going to exploit itself in a match. <laughs> and then after you do that, then you can add a new rule where you're like, okay, now I have the option to, to hit it and to push it. And it can be any order you want. You can do two pushes in a row. You could do two hits in a row. You could do one and one. But you've also going to figure out how smart are you because the temptation is going to be like, oh, well, I'm winning points pushing, so I want to go back to ripping like right now the entire game. And that's exactly what this guy did, and he lost the game really quick. So I want you to also manage the scoreboard, even MEP, which was interesting because you guys are like, well, he's mostly a pusher. One thing that was interesting is he plays the scoreboard really well. He knew exactly how to keep the ball in play. And then at certain times in the match, especially when the scoreboard pressure wasn't there, he's also added another dimension in his game. He came over a couple forehands. He chipped and came in and put some balls away at the net. He took a little more offense, but the, the scoreboard was in his favor. You know, if you ask Mep to hit the ball or come to the net when he's used to doing this, right? And you say, okay, do it, you know, 30, 40, 5, 6. I mean, he might be able to do it once in a while, but, you know, the confidence isn't there. But he 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 was so good at, at mixing in the right times to play offense where all of a sudden you're like, damn, I didn't know Mep had offense. <laughs> and he does, but he knew the right time to use it. Yeah, love that. <clears throat> Let's see. Thank you for recapping that. Uh, Goat seems like push serve return against big serve is a good idea. I remember... Um, using that quite a bit actually in singles matches, especially against big opponent or big serving opponents, you know, um, half the battle is, is getting that ball, like just chipping it low. And I had a lot of success with that. Um, I found that, you know, the big servers, they expected to get a lot of free points, but by reducing that, uh, it kind of had them panic. So, um, that's a good idea for sure. P must go one. I'm a three player generously. Should I seek out pushers to play as a way to hone skills? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. You should put you. You're going to have to play. I mean, just by playing three zero, you're going to play pushers. So yeah. you will play pushers. But but what I what I want you to understand is that I think most people go, I want to play pushers, so I learn how to use offense and destroy them. Like that's the ultimate fantasy. But what I'm telling you is learn how to become not not learn how to become a pusher, but learn how to master pushing shots. So when you're in a match. You're not stuck. What why people lose so many matches is you get stuck in tweenerville and you just you want to hit the ball, but you just keep tweening every shot. And you either A refuse to have pushing shots because you're like, that's not how I play. I'd rather, I'd rather jump off a bush, a bridge than do that. Or B, you don't have good pushing technique. Look, guys, pushing, especially a good pushing technique takes a lot of repetition and a lot of talent and a lot of technique. Okay. So don't just take for granted that you have it because most people that I, when I start feeding them volleys, most people have terrible volley technique. And then if I say, hit me a backhand slice, most people don't have really good backhand slices. So they don't have really good pushing skills. Hit a great drop shot 
from three-quarter court. Most people can't do that. But they don't take it like I, I say. How many times I've been? If I had a dollar for every time I said, "Okay, um, you know, you guys work on you feed lobs, you hit overheads, and and have lob overhead um, rallies," and I'm even talking about high. I've had the high performance juniors, not the better ones. The better ones can do it, but the middle of the road high performance juniors, like the people who are like a five six UTR or something like that, they'll tell me. Uh, I can't feed lobs. You see, so, because you're not working on it and you don't think to work on it. So if you can't hit a great, if, if I ask you, hey, have a lob overhead volley, you're like, I can't do that. I don't have good lobs. Well, that's a problem. If I say, hey, hit a, hit a really good drop shot from the midcourt, then you don't have good pushing technique. If I say, hit a knifing slice approach shot up the line, and you're like, well, I can't do that. You need to be working harder on that. And I can tell you that most of you probably don't because when I was top ranked in the state, I did not have a good backhand slice. I had an Australian coach I picked up about 13, 14, 15 years old, and it took me a year and a half to develop a slice backhand. How did you do my, that, my, by I the remember, way? Sorry. What were some How did I do that? Yeah, yeah. Just curious. Well, I mean, first of all, we kept, you know, having a good volley, developing your volley technique is key to having a good slice. Getting this racket butt set up like this is key, mm. okay? But also, it's the repetition. I had the private lesson and every single private lesson until I got the good feel, and he just kept giving me feedback each one, you know, whether it was too floaty, whether it was long, whether it was in the net, it was constant feedback of how to tweak and adjust it. Okay. But in the be beginning, I remember he told me, hit a chip shot up the line. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to hit that. <laughs> you know, so, and, and, and I ended up, you know, especially in my mid part of my junior career, probably 14 to 18, I became more of a servant volley. I came into the net a lot off people's second serve. So it was, it was absolute must that I had a good chip, chip approach shot. Okay. That's a pushing talent. Now, when I was playing juniors, you know, and you saw me hit a slice approach shot, you wouldn't go, oh, that guy's a pusher, but I was pushing my approach shot. Does that make sense? I wasn't hitting and ripping it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Peter. Let's see. We got cheat, cheat, cheat. Justin is always out on my side of the court. Justin is out and you will win. <laughs> Justin is out. I got it. I got it. <laughs> nice. Don't cheat. Justin is out. That's good. <laughs> Two tennis two time. I don't know what Peter Mirabon think, but playing against a pusher regularly has worked very well for me in terms of like you being successful. Absolutely. Hmm. I want you to play pushers regularly, but I don't want you to think that the only way out to beat a pusher is to hit, hit out, hit them. You know, one one of the first things I want you to do when you're playing a pusher is have that skill to bring them to the net. In fact, I said that I said that, and it was one of the things I wanted to work on with this guy, but we didn't we didn't never got to it, you know. But I was telling him he held serve, so it was like the the set was as close as going to be. It was like two one, then it was three two. So we were like in the match for a little bit in the second set. And I said this game on his return, I'm like good hold. This game on your return game, I want you to bring him to the net twice, and then he tried to hit two slice returns off the backhand. And he, he wasn't even close to bringing the ball in. And then after the game, after the next changeover, he's like, he's like, I try. He's like, I don't know how to hit that shot. You see? 
So again, all he knew was offense. All he knew was come to the net. He never thought about bringing someone to the net. Pushers hate to create offense and be there at the net, you know, against their will. It's like a fish out of water. But you guys usually think, yeah, I got to play. You know, most of you guys say, well, I don't even want to play pushers and I don't want to push. I, I, I have much more fun when I play somebody a higher level than me and they hit a better ball and then I hit and I play more like myself. That's usually what I hear. Okay. But, but then when you do play them, you think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to out hit them. I got, I have more skill and you think of skill as hitting, but then you quickly find you're in a dog fight and you start tweening the whole match and you tell yourself you're pushing, you're not pushing, you're tweening. Don't get mm-hmm. the two confused. Yeah. Yeah. Dangerous in between tweenering. Uh, Dave, when I try not to hit winners, I win more games. Hmm. Percentages. Yeah. Absolutely. Dr. Bagel maker again. Can you push a top spin forehand that isn't a crazy moon ball? As far as introducing pushing into my game, I started chipping in my return game to throw off opponents. I like that strategy. What do you think about the, the top spin? You cannot forehand? put you cannot push a heavy top spin ball. Yeah. See, hitting the heavy top spin ball requires a swinging technique. Like I said, guys, if I'm if I am um, gonna hit with Maribon and I bounce the ball in and I hit it to him. I didn't hit the ball hard, but I hit it. I didn't push him the feed. I didn't tween him the feed. I hit him the feed. So in order to hit a good topspin ball, heavy moon ball, you've got to hit it. If you tween it, it's going to fly on you. It's going to take off like, like, your, like your strings are like at like 10 pounds. Yeah, That's what tweening feels like. When you see the ball that's like, you know, like where the hell did that go? That is, I'm telling you, a classic symptom of your tweening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never uh, when that swing speed uh, reduces, man. It's not a good time when you're trying to topspin. Tween, no tweening also doesn't mean that you're not swinging with racket head speed. It means that there's something in there that holds back the full commitment to mm. stroking the ball. Yeah, like this guy, lots of his tweener shots, he hit the crap out of them, but he like. You know, he's the, the first ball, he's there, and he hits it, boom, and it goes, like, right perfectly in the corner. The next time he's there, and he goes to hit it, he, hit, he hits it really fast, but then his body jerks out. Mm. There's something me- mentally confidence-wise that is making him tween. I don't mean that tweening is always hitting slow, but it's neither a stroke or a pushing technique, and both a hitting technique and a pushing technique are very good techniques in tennis. And when properly done, they're very effective. When you tween, you are tweaking your stroke in some way. Whether, you're, whether you, your hand just kind of freezes up as you hit it, whether your body jerks, or whether you go to accelerate and then all of a sudden you decelerate. Mm-hmm. These are all classic signs that you're out there tweening and you're in a hell of a lot of trouble. <laughs> There's not many matches you're going to win doing that. And yet that's what I see most of the time, especially people who come on and they say, I just don't play to my potential. This, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, Pete, let's see what we got. You won't get used, uh, and counter a style without playing it often. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, tennis, two times tennis. Steffi Graf used to slice forehands and backhands until she got a short ball that she could dominate with her forehand topspin push, push hit. Yeah. Great observation. Yeah. 
Uh, she sliced a lot of backhands, almost predominantly backhands. Yeah. She chipped a couple forehands. She more ripped it. You know, she more did rip her forehand. But I'm sure, you know, if you asked her, hey, Steffi hit a slice forehand approach shot, I'm sure it'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. John, sounds to me like a tweeny shot is similar to a bunt in baseball, no follow through. No. Yeah, I mean, like the slices. No, no, it's you're not. Gonna, yeah. A bunt is more of a pushing shot. A tween is more like you want to do something and something within your technique and it's more within your mind bails out. Yeah. It bails out of committing to what you're doing. So what I'm trying to get you guys to see, I believe it's, it's, it's and you have, you have to have that if you have good, if you have good hitting technique and you have good pushing technique under pressure for most of us, because we're not part of this. We're not going to a practice every single day for three to four hours a day and playing other unbelievable tennis players and then have a private lesson where the coach is feeding us balls. If you can, but, but as an adult, if you can develop good pushing technique and good hitting technique, under pressure, most of you are going to be able to execute a pushing technique easier than you're going to be able to execute a hitting technique. And I want you to be aware of that. And I want you to accept that that is okay. And it doesn't mean that you're playing defensive. You know, I, I'm, 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 I got a break point. It's 30, 40. I'm afraid to hit, just rip a forehand winner down the line. So an option I have is to chip and charge and come in. An option I have is to chip it low cross court, to their backhand since I'm a lefty, make them approach. And then when they approach, I'll have a good C to hit open to. And then if I'm feeling confident, I might, you know, hit a, hit a forehand down the line winner. Or if I see them running in like crazy, I might just go to another push shot and bring them in and then just lob over their head and take the point. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much of that strategies, uh, strategy. Um, Lionel, love the explanation. Uh, Lionel from Vaughan, Ontario, Canada. Awesome. I'm actually going to go up there um, in June, so that'll be really fun. B2 puppy kisses. Yes. Love that. Poor guy is over here crying every mm. two seconds. I, I, you know. mm. The Dang. thing that stinks is I, I know his, 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 he's got a hot spot, guys. So after this, I've got to, after our live stream, I've got to put this on him, which is going to make him feel better, but he's going to hate me. And I hate when he hates me. He's going to be so mad at me. Because I know it's going to sting and feel like crap for a couple of seconds. Well, it rips my heart out. It rips my heart out. I'm yeah. Telling you. Well, got to do it, man. Uh, Dr. Success, are you saying that a, an intentional push is a slice? That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. A slice ball, a punch ball, a drop shot, a lob. These are push. Your body is pushing the ball to make it happen. Yeah. And I think people get that confused. They think of pushing as hitting the ball slow, as not committing. You know, one thing that's interesting when you watch Mep, he's not exactly a pusher because, especially when you watch some of his really good shots, you know, some of his backhands and things like that, he's told, like, you would define it as an outright just push. It just got the ball back. He lobbed it back in. And that's like your ugly kind of definition of a pusher. But there would be other times where he would be fully committed into his shot, and that ball would skip and, 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 and have some stings to it. 
it's maybe a little unorthodox, but I but the way he was aggressively pushing his shoulder into it and using his hands, he was committed to that shot. He didn't he didn't bail out, he didn't push, he he committed into a pushing technique with his body and his arm. And specifically your shoulder. When you're pushing, you're really using that shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super important. Uh, let's see. Sherry, the tweeners lose part reminds me of the in between the legs tweener shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah bit, they mostly lose different. too. Yeah, true. Yeah. High, high backhand shots, you can side spin the shot cross court. Yeah, you can. You definitely can. Tennis Tucson, got to go. Great content. Thanks for doing this. Keep on keeping on. 100%. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Elaine, uh, sorry, Elaine, I totally agree that you need to step out of your comfort zone and play a little different game when playing against a pusher or even a deep high topspin hitter. Yes. Agreed. Or, or, or playing anybody. That's, that's why I just want to make sure you guys get this point. Playing anybody. It's not just about you guys need to go play more pushers more so you understand how to play pushers. What I'm trying to get you to understand is you've got to work and spend more time on your pushing techniques and test it in practice under pressure to see what holds up better. You know, when you play this game against yourself, it will show you what is holding up your pushing shot, your hitting shot, a, a, a certain combination of pushing and hitting. You'll figure it out. You'll know more what to do in a match. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And a follow up. I practice regularly with a pusher and find that when I hit deep topspin or slices, they have trouble. My issue is knowing where he is going to hit as he can adjust his direction at the last minute. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good skill to have. Um, yeah. I mean, any thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know if like at the last second, they're just adjusting their, the angle of the rack, the racket. Face well, a well, bit. well, here's, here's, here's something because pushers, that people labor as pushers take pride in that. And they kind of take more pride in their minds. You know, people who want to be hitters, they take more pride in their technique and in their show in their style. Pushers are like, I'm going to figure out how to beat you. And one thing that I've never heard anybody say ever, this is how MEP thinks and wins. He knew Rye was a serve and volleyer and he knew that he was going to be coming in. So this is interesting. Listen to this. So this is probably what's happened to you, Elaine. He said, yeah, he's like, I saw you were coming to the net a lot. I knew you're going to be attacking me a lot. So I tried to hold as long as possible hitting the ball. I tried to wait to the point where I saw you kind of stop and commit where your body was going to be. And then I'd hit it. He said, also, when I hit second serves, because I knew you were going to come in a lot. So he did that on the return. And then on, and then on his serve, which he pretty much just taps a serve in, but he's kind of got like a little bite to it. It's not an all out, the slow serve. He says, it's effective. He pushes it, but it kind of goes through the court fast and, and relatively fast and, and low. But he said, I saw you and I would go to act like I was going to hit the serve, but I didn't even pick up on it. So it's not like it was pure gamesmanship that anybody else would pick up on. It's not like he did a fake like and then didn't hit it and then hit it again. But he basically just changed his cadence a little bit to where he thought like, okay, Rye thinks I'm going to serve now. I'm just going to wait that extra little bit before I toss it and then hit it to kind of throw off his timing of his chip and charge and hopefully get him to miss a couple of times. Just little subtle things like this is what crafty – players are thinking about when they're out playing you 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent there. Lionel, based on this conversation, NTRP rating should evolve to include pushing techniques like drop shots, slices, lobs, and so on. Well, I mean, variety of shots is a part of you know the uh, the ratings to some extent. Yeah, I think I think it is. They they you know they say things like you know this player can buy with confidence, yeah, and hit overhead with confidence, and you know so it is it is in there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, let's see, Wendy. So you are you saying that pushing the ball is more about the lack of follow through? I think it's a similar question. Since you can hit a, a ball slow, some say that a slow hit ball is a pusher and still have follow through. Yeah, I mean, guys, go watch John Newcomb hit a forehand. You know, lots of times. Uh, he he followed through. He went all the way through. All I'm saying, pushing is a technique. When I'm pushing, see, I can, uh, like, um, Chris Everett. She didn't really hit her forehand, guys. She she hit her forehand, but she pushed her forehand. So so lots of '70s players, they pretty much all pushed their forehand. Let me get in here. It would be here, and then they push through it and they'd reach out. See, yeah. so like this is pushing. So you watch a lot of old school forehands and they look a lot like this they're pushing the ball they're pushing the ball even jimmy connors he was like a combination of hitting and pushing but there's an instructional video where he says on a forehand you need to have a firm grip does that mean jimmy connors doesn't know what the hell he's talking about and he's wrong <laughs> no that's not what he means because he had a different grip than roger Federer and a different technique he, he more had a very strong pushing forehand. So he would grip the racket tight and then hit it, but he'd hit it fairly hard and middle the ball, and he'd come through like this, okay? Hitting <laughs> – I wish this stupid wire wasn't here. <laughs> I can't take it off, otherwise it won't hit me. But hitting is more rotational. You're getting here. What we think of as hitting is we're getting here, and instead of our shoulder moving like this in a push, pushing motion – we initiate the kinetic chain yeah. and we're swinging around like I can't do it because of this cord, but you know what I'm talking about. This thing about Federer hitting a ball, it's a completely different rotation. You know, the, the shoulder's moving like this and, and you're falling through over here versus being more linear and going out to it. That, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. And I'm trying to tell you guys that to do the first one is easier if you can do both it's easier to do under pressure unless you're going to join a junior academy and train every single day to where you play like a machine. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Let's see. K. Ash Barty had great rally combination of push, 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 hit. That also yes, drew absolutely. many unforced errors yep, from opponents. Yeah. And that's it. a great example. That's right, a yeah. great example because Ash Barty's slice is a pushing technique. And it stood out like a sore thumb at the Australian Open because you had all these amazing players playing these bashing, banging matches where they're just hitting the crap out of the ball and they look amazing until they played Ash Barty because no one hit the ball like Ash Barty. They didn't see that. They, they, they basically see every match they play is like a game of Russian roulette. The women play with a lot less margin than the men. They they kind of in a way play more aggressive. You know, the the men typically will play with more shape, and the women hit topspin, but they play with less shape. So it's more high risk, high reward. And then they go against Barty, and she's hitting these slice shots, and she's using different angles, and she won that Australian Open with ease. 
And it wasn't necessarily because she's so much better than them. It's that she's so much different than them. I love her style. Uh, Sherry, I love the serve, deep loopy repetition, and eventually finish the point. <clears throat> Keep the side to side and deep to short option to open. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Pre-op consult, Arthur Ashe also used no pace in short slices to beat Connors on grass. Arthur Ashe has a push forehand. Okay, does Arthur Ashe have a good forehand? Absolutely, yes. But it's a push forehand. He didn't swing. He doesn't have a swing forehand. If you want to know, go look up Arthur Ashe's forehand. That's a push forehand. That's what I mean. I don't mean that a push forehand is a bad forehand. And I think that's and that's what I'm even fighting on this live call and 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 making sure that you guys understand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh let's see proc that's exactly how I feel like I'm giving in. I'm supposed to be able to rip it big forehand so when I'm hitting out and put in a position that I need to slice, I feel like I'm giving in. No, it's just, you know, a different uh tactical change. No. Yeah. No, that's that's my number one goal for the call. I I I want you guys to understand that it's completely unrealistic and that you have to embrace developing pushing technique not to become a pusher. Rye is never going to become a pusher. Rye, if you watch this guy who I coached who lost to MEP, he will never be a pusher. But I want him to develop more pushing skills so he becomes more multidimensional and he wins matches and points a lot easier. That's all I'm trying to teach you guys tonight. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it, uh, Pete. Awesome stuff. Colin, Pete, have you got a video out for this drill? No, but I actually, you know, this whole thing, I've always thought about it, and you've, and you've always seen it as a, as a coach. You know when the match is over. You know because you've, you've felt it too yourself. Like when I coach, and I love all my students, you know, and when you see them struggle, you feel it in the pit of your stomach. And you don't feel, even only feel it in the pit of your stomach because you feel sorry for them and you could see the anguish they're going through. You always have flashbacks of, man, I know exactly, exactly how they feel right now. And so I've, I've thought about this concept a lot, but I've, I don't think I've ever verbalized it as well as I did hopefully tonight, hopefully you guys are enjoying this. And, and I did with my student a couple days ago. So I'm going to make a video on this specific topic um, and probably show the drills and, and it'll probably be a YouTube video, um, you know, at some point. Excellent. Love it. Making that content, Pete. Uh, let's see. The backhand is a huge weapon too. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I love Peter's headset. There you go. See, so stylish, black and green. Like a lizard. Paul, thanks for letting me know about that bomb alert, the uh, spam. I, I took it off, so appreciate it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Artie, Shad, excellent presentation. Enjoying and learning a lot. Greatly appreciated. Love it. Um, let's see. Paul, the kind of pusher I feel most confident beating is one who absolutely dreads coming to the net. Yes. Give yep. them short stuff. 100%. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> oh, let's see. Great stuff as usual. Thanks for presentation. Learning a lot. Thank you, Artie. Uh, let's see. CMN tiebreaker return of serve. Do you push or hit? Uh, it really depends. Yeah. I mean, that's the point. I, 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 the more you play the game, the more you will know what percentage. Like, like let's say the student I had the other day. If, he, if, I, if I like had to put money on it and I'm coaching him, I'm going to say, look, Rye, when you stay back, I want you to go push more of your forehands than hit them because I know 
since we won a set 6-1, basically hitting a push forehand, and we lost 6-1-6-0 trying to hit the forehand, even though you have an amazing topspin forehand, the confidence isn't there. So we have the data to say you should be pushing in your tiebreaker under pressure more than you should be hitting. And so that's why I want you to go out and play this game so you can decide. And, and you know, I did play high-level juniors, was a state champion, went to nationals, played Division I college. So I was one of those players, that, you know, high-performance player. So I was able to tap in more into, you know, like if you saw me where I think I'm pushing, you know, you might go, well, Pete doesn't look like he's pushing. But, but I knew that I was be more conservative and pushing, or maybe I went to a chip and charge. And especially on second serves, I think everybody can kind of relate to that. You got a second serve, you know, you got an opportunity to do some damage and you have to have that honest conversation with yourself. Like, what does the data say like about you when, when you're in this situation and you hit, you know, are you most likely to make it when you hit it or when you push it? And then it also comes down to feel, you know, I had enough reps to where I could do both under pressure, but I had to pick and choose when to do what shot because sometimes they'd be serving to me and I'd be like, I'm nervous. I don't know if I can like hit out on this ball. So I would make a compromise and figure out what's the best hit or push to do to not just give a point away because you should just be ripping when you see a weak second serve. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Let's bring me back here. Uh, Wendy, I think we've heard so often that pushes are those who just hit slow. Yeah. Yeah. They're usually not hitting with a ton of base. Exactly. And, and what I'm talking to you tonight is that I'm not, and, but, but, but I am saying this, I mean, I'm saying both, I'm saying pushers, people that you label as pushers, they win a lot. It's undeniable. They win a lot of matches. Hitters. When you watch a hitter who can hit the entire match and execute, that's the key can execute. They will win a lot. And when you could do it really well, like, MEP went up against Simon, who's 12 years old and 40 in the nation. Simon could hit and execute. So he beat MEP 6160. There's barely, there's, I don't think anybody's ever done that on the YouTube. So he could hit and execute. Tweeners, they get lost. And so what I'm telling you is that pushers win. But not only that, is you don't have to be a pusher to work on your pushing technique shots. Yeah. I'm not saying become a pusher to win more matches. I'm saying develop pushing technique shots to use them more in a match when it is appropriate. Yep. 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 hundred percent. Let's see, Sherry, I'd say play how you got there to the tie break. That's yeah. It's a good, uh, good approach, I suppose. Um, I, I'd say yes or not. I, th- th- I'm not, I, I love, I love that, but I'm going to stop that. Not necessarily. I mean, you might be there in a tie break. You might be much better this player, and then all of a sudden you're in a tie break with them. You know, you you maybe should have won the set six three, but you're you're losing confidence in shots, and you're 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 hitting a lot of tweener shots. Mm. Or you might be able to play well when you're down. So it might be like, you know, the score is one zero, and you have an opportunity to go two uh, zero, and then you you choke and it's one, one, you see, cause, mm-hmm. cause every time you get a lead. So you have to really tap into what you're doing well under pressure mm-hmm. because you can, you can go through a whole set and be good enough to stay even. 
And then all of a sudden the pressure even ratchets up a little more and you might fall apart more. Mm. Yeah. So like what skills can you deploy under pressure? Got to think about yes. that. Um, cool. Cool. Let's see. Dr. Bagel maker. When I get back to Atlanta to train slash play against you, I want you to wear those headphones. I think I can beat you with the wire in the way. Maybe if it's not plugged into a computer, I think you might have a tough time. Um, so yeah, you might. You might <laughs> if I if I wear it with with no computer. If I have the computer and run around with the computer, then I I might put my money on the bagel maker. Still pretty good pretty though. Good. I, I think you yeah maybe tossing you know toss serving might be real tough actually. Let's see did extension cord. Kubi Vasek, nice. Great stuff, guys. So do you have any tips for taking the ball on the rise when the pusher gives you a super deep ball and you don't have courtroom to back up and let it drop? I mean, it's all about the footwork there. It's uh, Yeah, it's tough. Sometimes you got courts that have plenty of space in the back. Sometimes they're not so much. So I think, you know, footwork, short swing, and then really got to concentrate and zoom in on the ball, you know, uh, when it's coming towards you, when it, especially when it bounces. Uh, it's it, The timing, you know, it's it's going to be tough at first, I think, especially if you're not used to hitting uh, on the right shots that much. But yeah, any other thoughts, uh, Pete? <laughs> Again, it's knowing it's knowing your skill set. <clears throat> yeah, you know, if you hit me a deep, heavy ball, most of the time I'm going to take it off the bounce and do something that looks like a swing. Okay, if you hit a deep, heavy ball to MEP, and what was interesting is watching MEP warm up. He hit a. I was like, oh, he's developing. He he hit some uh, swing hitting forehands in the warm up. He didn't do as many in the match. He had a couple when he had the good score and good confidence. But if you hit MEP a deep heavy ball, he's gonna absorb it with a a push. So you've got to be, you know, honest with yourself when the ball is coming deep and heavy. Even though you want to look good and take it off the rock, take it on the rise and swing through it versus push it, what do you actually do? What does the data say will go in more for you? That's what you need to do. Let the data dictate your game, not how you want to play. All right. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with my good friend Peter Freeman from Crunch Time Coaching. It's always a blast having him on the podcast and the summit live streams and everything else. So big thanks to you, Peter. And I also would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast if you find the podcast helpful for your game. And you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcast or just leave a review in your favorite podcast app that you use to listen to the show. I just find that using Apple Podcasts is the most helpful in terms of giving more visibility to the show and having it just rank a bit higher, which in turn brings more visibility to new new people who are finding or trying to find tennis podcasts so definitely would really appreciate a review in advance uh thank you in advance <laughs> rather and also just curious if you can uh spot the difference in the audio quality i'm actually on the road but i did bring one microphone with me that i'm plugging into my computer as opposed to through an xlr sort of uh thingamajiggy <laughs> you know some sort of different uh setup than plug and play but um when on the road i can't bring as much equipment with me so hopefully the audio here is pretty decent for you with that i would like to leave you with a quote as i often do at the end of the show and this one is by peter marshall and peter says when we long for life without difficulties remind us that oaks grow strong in contrary winds and diamonds are made under pressure Really love this one. It's all about really adversity and seeking discomfort 
as David Goggins says, uh, great book there, uh, although warning, there's some expletives in that one. <laughs> uh, unfiltered David Goggins, uh, he is. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it. You know, if we just stay comfortable, we'll never figure out our weaknesses and uh, we'll never figure out what we need to work on to improve. So definitely put yourself under pressure with competition and tournaments and match play, serious practices with tough opponents. And that's the main way that you're going to improve and reach your true potential. All right. With that, thanks so much for listening and looking forward to bringing you more uh, informative and helpful and entertaining episodes in the future. And with that, I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Mirabhan Aranchad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.